Welcome to At the Threshold, a podcast for ministry leaders during this new, unsettled season in the life of the church. We are your hosts, Ashley Alley Crawford and Shelley Pitts. And we are both clergy in the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately a thousand churches in the states of Kansas and Nebraska. Shelley works with clergy faith and wellness with the Great Plains Conference. And Ashley is the Clergy Recruitment and Development Coordinator, and we're sharing this from the Office of Clergy Excellence. Our focus here in At the Threshold is to host a conversation with and for clergy in order to describe what's happening, ask questions to help get us unstuck, and encourage the heart of pastors and leaders in this liminal time in which we find ourselves. Liminal may be a new word, but a new season calls for a new word. Liminal means a threshold from what we've always known to, well, we don't know just yet what life and ministry is becoming. Our goal here is to find a little light at the threshold. In our conversations, we are seeking to describe some of the dynamics that we're seeing and identify some questions and possibilities that are bubbling up for us. Ultimately, we hope you leave today with your heart encouraged in some way. Each time we gather, it's our hope that you'll glean one or two things to think about, act upon, or pray through. today for the second part of our Hindsight 2020 conversation. We want to let you know that we are going to be taking a few weeks off as we wrap up 2020 and prepare for 2021. You'll want to make sure and subscribe to At The Threshold on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. Or if you'd like, you can take a look at our website, greatplainsumc.org slash at dash the dash threshold. We'll let you know of upcoming conversations, but if you have some ideas for us, we'd love to hear them. Just reach out to me, Ashley Alley Crawford, A. Alley Crawford at greatplainsumc.org or Shelly Pets at spets at greatplainsumc.org. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing today, we pray that you will be able to see a little bit more light at the threshold. Thanks for joining us. Earlier this summer, Nathan Stanton was diagnosed with ALS, a condition that impacts his speech. In order to allow listeners to more easily understand the wisdom he shares, we've sped up his speech in the editing process. First of all, um, this has been a bit of a different kind of a year, a different dynamic for for you and the Stanton family as you were diagnosed with ALS in, in this in this 2020 year. What, um, what reflections do you have about that? What, what have you kind of learned um, personally in, in this season as a result of navigating these uncharted and unexpected waters? Well, that is, um, um, an amazing question to try to answer. You know, um, I had spent less than one hour of my life thinking about ALS until the end of June. And when that came as a possibility, it was um, really hard. Um, and so receiving the diagnosis August 5th was the most 
Um, I think I speak for all of us when I say that you have taught us to live fully um, and to, to lean into, um, into this. And your witness um, is profound and powerful. And, um, and we just appreciate your, your willingness to, to even share um, to, today in, in um, expressing just the, 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 the suffering, but also the joy and the hope. What does give you hope um, as you as you think about um, think about the the season ahead? We are approaching Advent. Um, is there anything that 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 shines as hopeful to you in this season? Well, uh, I know that eventually we have the ability to reconnect physically and like God, I am an introvert, but the need to have community and to talk about ideas and vision takes more than one person. It isn't real until you speak to someone. So um, that sense of community and how our church is able to see all the community now and lend a hand up to people that otherwise may have been invisible to churches. My hope is that our humanity overtakes our fear and remembering Christ's 
one tell all and not just those in the synagogue or for us the church that is my home. Thank you. Yeah, the, the witness of the community um, that we can move from inside um, to, to being able to reach out and love. So thank you for, for casting that vision and naming, naming those hopes. Well, Todd, um, I want to, to turn to you for a few questions. Um, your family has dealt with a health crisis as well um, in this year, and your daughter um, has been experiencing um, uh, cancer treatments and navigating this. What's been what's this year been like for you as you all have have navigated this and walked alongside this with your daughter? You know, it, it's been interesting because it's been uh, every time you kind of get something figured out, something else has happened. So I've kind of quit trying to look down the horizon and just decide to take it as it comes. Uh, uh, so yeah, our, our daughter was uh, so. Ours, our year in a, in a snapshot is we were with our son when he was playing baseball down in Florida. And as we were driving back from Florida, we kept getting these text messages about things closing down. <laughs> uh, and so uh, the second half of that drive, my wife was working with her trustees and others to figure out how are we going to do this with our church uh, here in Lawrence. Uh, it was about three weeks later that our daughter calls and said that the lump on the back of her uh, knee had, had uh, the doctor thought it was cancerous. And so the, the good news was that they, they found it early. Uh, they removed the tumor. She's responded extremely well to treatments. So uh, prognosis is really, really good, uh, but it, you still have a 24-year-old that's going through that kind of uh, that kind of uh, stress and trying to figure out things that you know you just don't think a 24-year-old really needs to, really needs to worry about, such as uh, wigs, uh, losing their hair, uh, you know th those kinds of things that uh, you know all those years that she made fun of my receding hairline. Uh, now that she's kind of turning the corner, she has some fun with that, uh, uh, about us having similar foreheads now, but, um, but anyway, she, uh, she's doing well, but for, for us, it was, it was a matter of really, uh, for me personally, anyway, it was an introspection kind of thing. I, I, I'd always studied scripture, obviously, but I'll be honest with you, my, my, my spiritual discipline of daily Bible study was not all that awesome, unless I was leading a disciple Bible study. Uh, and so I, I got back into, alarm set for 530 in the morning. Uh, I just felt like I needed to get centered that way again. Uh, came across a, a, what I think is an excellent book, a, chronolog a chronological tour through the Bible. I'm a history nut and I like to see things in context. It's a great book by uh, Ron Rhodes. And it, basically the reason I, I think I found, found it so good, even though I've read the Bible chronologically before, is it causes you to pause and he has a fairly deep question at the end of each day's reading. Uh, and I've never journaled before in my life, but I journaled. There's enough at the bottom of the page for you to journal. I don't know if that's the way he intended it. But that's the way I've been using it. And it's really caused me to reflect and, and really ponder my answer to those questions instead of just thinking about it for 10 seconds and casting it aside. Now I've got to put it on paper and uh, reading that and then going back and looking at them. My, my practice is it's seven days a week, but on Sunday, I have a little more time, especially now that we're recording again for, for worship. I don't have to get up and teach Sunday school. So uh, not in that way anyway. So I can go back and, and I look at the previous week and just kind of reflect again. So that's been, that's been something for me. That's how I've kind of gotten, uh, gotten through that. Seeing her uh, feel better and get through radiation and get past the halfway point of chemotherapy, obviously, has been very helpful as well. Well, where have you found hope um, in the midst of this season? You know, my hope has been in the creativity of our local churches and the way that they have gone about uh, trying new things, including things that, you know, let's face it, a year ago, they wouldn't have just said they were hard. They would have said they were impossible. And so to see some of those, and, and for me, I, I mentioned those five workshops that we did you know, about a year ago. Um, those five people who were in that workshop are some of these people that now I see doing these things. And at, at those, in those meetings, they, they were some of the skeptics asking questions like, what do you mean try that? You're, I don't know if we'll ever do that. Well, now they're doing way more than that. Uh, and so that's been, that's been fun to see. Um, I will say one thing though. So that's where the hope, I see the hope, but I have one thing I really hope for. 
And that's that I hope that churches, even after the pandemic is over, we have the vaccine, life gets back to whatever normal looks like. Um, I hope that they don't cast aside the things that they've learned during this time. Because I'm a firm believer that we live in a Netflix world now. On demand is just the expectation. If churches want to be relevant, they're going to have to be in that game. And to me, that what that means is we used to, you know, if a church was, we were part of a church started out in Utah that was very successful. We were very blessed to be part of it. Every time we got to 80% within one of the worship services, we added a worship service. Uh, well, we ended up with four worship services because of that, but it was what was needed. Well, I think probably now we're going to look at churches and say, you know what? We're not starting another worship service at 830 because the 11 o'clock is full. We're starting an online service because that's just what we need to do. Because now we have people that want to see us at Tuesday. We might have people who want to watch it on Thursday. We have some folks that, for whatever reason, Monday afternoon is their thing. Uh, so I think we're going to have to, to do that and embrace it. And I think that gives us hope, not just as a denomination, but as the church with a capital C, to be relevant to a whole new generation of people. And maybe some people who cast the church aside because they got hurt sometime or they just uh, don't, the church thing just wasn't going to happen. They were never going to come in the doors. Uh, but they will turn online uh, and they'll give it a try. I think that's that's a reason for hope because it's a chance for us to connect with people that we otherwise would never would have known existed. Well, you and your team have equipped um, that vision to be cast and so many people are are uh, turning in into the virtual world in ways that the Namber could. So I think you're, you're increasing the imagination uh, for that very vision to be able to happen. Well, last but not least, I want to turn to Mitch. Mitch, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, as you kind of look back on this year, what, what have you learned from, from this season? I think one of the things that has really jumped out to me is the power of encouragement and how important that is. Um, I've noticed that as we've lived in this isolation or via Zoom, how much, how much more fragile people are, especially pastors. Um, you know, if there is a before you could maybe approach somebody about a, a more difficult conversation a little more directly and a little more quickly. Um, and if you haven't really been spending the time to nurture the relationship, to encourage and, and kind of support, there can be a, a higher vulnerability um, that can send people into a tailspin a lot quicker. Um, and I think that just shows our, our mental health in this, you know, there's, there's more fragility with that. So I think I've really learned that it's really important that you're really working to build the relationships with the people that you oversee or that are working in close relationship with. Um, so that, and then to, to really uh, make sure you're always looking for what can you affirm, um, not just a normal communication practice anyway, but then it's more important now and, um, and really helping to build that so that when um, you need to have a more difficult conversation, they know it's, they, they can handle it better. And so I'm really finding that I just need to take more time in that. Um, and, and sometimes we rush through that. And so I think it's really showing the value of relationship building um, and really looking for the strengths and the positivity in people's work um, and really lifting that up. Yeah. It's interesting that you're keying in on relationship in the midst of this disconnected season, but uh, I think you're lifting up some things that can happen in person or not. So good. That's good. Well, um, what? How could we pray for you um, in your in your role as a as a leader um, and in the work that that you're doing? Is there a way that that you could invite us to to pray for you in this season? Sure, sure. I really appreciate that. You know, I really find, and I I would imagine I, I can't speak for Todd or, or Nathan, but you know, I whenever we walk through those difficult seasons, you know, when you, you have people praying for you, you know, you just, there's a buoyancy that comes under you that you can't explain. And um, I've been really impressed by how many of our clergy and churches have really lifted up to have leaned into prayer more intently. And, and so I, I really value that. Um, I think one of the things I am is an external processor. Um, and so it's, I think Nathan named this and some others that it's, it's really hard to externally process by yourself. Um, you can only talk to the wall so many times and the cat really doesn't respond. Um, and so I'm really finding, and even Zoom isn't the same. For some reason, there's just not that same connection. So as an external processor, I guess I really appreciate prayers, how to remain mentally sharp and creative um, because I find it's really easy to atrophy 
um, in this season. And so how to really do that. Um, and I also found how important individual, this already been named, but how important relationships are and not just via Zoom, but in-person relationships to building spirituality. Um, I feel there's a, even though my wife and I, and my, I can have occasional conversation with my kids, it's when you broaden beyond that, sitting in the same room with somebody, uh, praying with them, talking with them, it's different than in Zoom. And there is a real sense of feeling of an isolation in that. Um, and that is draining and draining spiritually, I found. So, so I think you've been praying for that um, elevation of that depth of sensing the presence of God, because there's something about experiencing God in the community. I think this was already lifted up that you just don't get in this kind of realm um, in the same way. So I would appreciate prayers in those ways. Thank you. We'd like to ask a question now of each of you, the same question will go to each of you in turn. And we invite you to consider the question, where is God at work in the Great Plains Conference and in the midst of this year? Bishop, we'd like to start with you. Where is God at work in the Great Plains Conference and in the midst of this year? I'm gonna keep it short. I think God is at work in, um, in the imagination of, of, uh, of clergy and congregations as they begin to imagine what church will look like and, um, and what church can be like in the future. Also, an imagination of what does it mean to be a church that that seeks justice, uh, and how do we go about that work? That that very difficult to grapple with work, and then also in in the in the um, in the sense of just giving people a sense of clarity about who we are. As, as disciples of Jesus Christ and, uh, and who, who is God calling us to be and what is God calling us to do? And I think it, it, it's breaking from traditional rote responses and, and forcing us to think about our work as disciples in the world in a very different way, which is a good thing. Thank you. Nancy, we'll turn to you. A little more specific um, example uh, that I would lift up is the way that um, the some of our more elderly people in our congregations are being able to be connected. Um, I've heard several pastors have said they there have been people in their churches who have gone to um, the homes of some of their shut-ins and helped them get uh, Zoom on their on their cell phones. Um, or if they have a computer to get it set up that way. Um, so just, just the way that that means that generations are interacting. Sometimes the people are the teenagers who are doing this in the communities, going out to the homes. But in some way, then some of the, some of the people who are shut-ins are maybe actually more connected right now than they would have been a year ago just because of everything going online. So maybe now they're actually part of a Bible study online that they would not have been part of before. So I think that's, um, you know, it, it's just all part of this way that churches are being challenged to look at what it is, what does it mean to be the church and how can we live that out in our communities to uh, reach people who otherwise are, are being overlooked and missed. And, and I just think that's a powerful way that God is taking the witness into our communities. Absolutely, absolutely. Nathan, we'll turn to you. Where is God at work in the Great Plains and in the midst of this year? I believe it is in a newfound partnership between clergy and laity, looking and praying, discerning world. God is leading them to connect with those in the state of prevenience. And so the pandemic 
has opened up new ways and channels to engage people wherever they are. I see God bringing clergy and laity together to set out on bold new expeditions together to lift up Christ. What a powerful vision you are already seeing and pray that, that will lead us into incredible new new journeys, even yet to come in the expeditions that will be before us. Scott, we turn to you. Same question. I, I spend a lot of time these days uh, dealing with real estate um, with uh, all the properties of, of our closed churches with, with other um, properties that we're looking to sell or we're looking to buy. Um, and um, one of the lessons I've learned a lot is uh, water finds a way. Uh, it's one of the axioms around roofs particularly is uh, if there's going to be rain, water will find a way to, to leak through. But I think, I think living water will find a way as well. And, and, and what I mean is, in spite of our best efforts to control, uh, the Holy Spirit will find a way to, to be active and to, uh, to be working. Um, and I think for us, we've got to make a decision about whether we're going to be a part of that uh, or if we're going to try to uh, uh, just maintain the, the roof um, as it is or patch it up. Uh, this is where the metaphor starts to break down. Um, but I, I've been so, um, I've been so excited in seeing examples of, of places where, uh, as Nathan talked about, laity and clergy are partnering together, where people are seeing challenges and they're doing it. Uh, and, and we're not uh, getting too hung up on the fact that it's different. Uh, because everything is different and, and it's not going to stop being different. Um, and there are reasons to mourn that and to lament that, particularly if you've you know, spent a lifetime uh, loving uh, a church or your church or, or the capital C church. Um, but but God, God expects more of us than to just sort of have a museum to our own religious experience. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic we'll find a way to, to follow the water and uh, continue to be where God needs us to be. Thank you for giving us imagery with the words. Todd, where have you seen God at work in the Great Plains in the midst of this year? So I had this image of God being at the pulpit and doing an altar call and Mother Necessity coming down the, down the aisle uh, because we, we've had this whole year of just new realities and we had to do them, right? If we didn't do them, the church wouldn't exist. In some of these communities, the church is really the only thing that's still functioning. Uh, you have, you know, especially smaller communities. Uh, but I've had the opportunity, especially over the last couple of months, or well, six weeks, to shoot actually quite a few short little videos, mostly for the Kansas City District, but a few in the Five Rivers area. And what I've really seen is, yes, Mother Necessity has caused them to do things differently. But in each case, the mission has stayed consistent. Uh, and, and I think that's important for us not to forget why we're here in the first place. Uh, oh, woe is us. Look at what's happened. Look how much harder it is to, to do worship on Sunday or whatever day we're doing it. Uh, the reality is worship's probably on Thursday afternoon with a bunch of recording devices going on. Uh, but it's being shown on Sunday morning. Uh, and I, but I find, I find hope in that. And I, find, and I see God in that because it could have totally fallen apart. Uh, it, it would have been easier to say, we just can't do this. Uh, but we, we haven't done that. And I, and I think that's uh, kudos to our pastors and kudos to uh, the lay people who have, in some cases, done way more than what they probably were asked to do or volunteered to do before. Uh, they're more engaged now in some cases. So I, I see God a lot in that. Thank you so much. I'm curious where, where that will take us. Um, as we explore, um, you know, you talked about not wanting to, to forget what we have learned. And I'm, I'll be curious how that will live itself out over these next months still yet to come. 
Mitch, we turn to you. Where have you seen God at work in the Great Plains Conference? Well, I think in a couple places. Um, you know, going through the pandemic could be easy to get focused into scarcity and really, and to stop the church. And really what's been, I think, really cool is to watch how the church hasn't stopped. I mean, it's continued to be innovative and think of new ways we're going to engage our community. So there's been some creative things. I mean, one of the things I was just in conversation with was a, one of our congregations who is really working to partner with their community and how they're going to work with those who have been incarcerated to help them engage back into the community in a time when they're thinking about how we can, we can build and how we can organize ministry to do that work in the time when it would feel like wow, how are we going to do anything very big? And so I appreciate vision has moved forward. Also, it was exciting in the fall to watch the number of professions of faith that were happening in congregations in the midst of the time when we're not meeting face-to-face and being able to do that the same way. So people were coming to faith. They were joining the churches. Some were joining from, we had to figure out how do you bring people to join churches from, they may not be in the local community. They may be attaching with a church from another community, which it broadened out the church in a whole new way of doing ministry and opened our eyes to some things. So I, I think just seeing God at work in some creative ways. And, and finally, just to see in the network structure, to see clergy moving from we have to gather to wanting to get together weekly, to have conversation about how are we going to engage our people and work through this whole season together. And I think all of those are just signs of God working creatively and innovatively through the church uh, in ways we wouldn't expect. And so that's been really powerful. Thank you to each of you for giving a witness for where God's at work. I think right now, how much we need to hear these stories and to share them with one with another so that we are encouraged for the journey. And I thank you for helping us to see that more clearly. Yes, I remember early on, Bishop, you said the church is not closed. Um, our buildings may be um, may not be open right now, but the church is definitely not closed. And just hearing these celebrations, you all calling these things to our mind is a, is a great reminder the church has not been closed um, in these last months. Well, we really are coming to the end of our time together, but before we do, there were just a few burning questions that we just cannot um, leave this esteemed group without asking. So uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a lightning round here. Um, I don't want you to think too hard on this, just kind of react with, with, with a gut response, um, but we are gonna get hit. We have four four burning questions for us and it can be fun or it can be serious. You you go with, with what you want here. So. We're going to start first here. Um, what's been a guilty pleasure for you during this um, pandemic? Uh, maybe it's popcorn. Maybe it's uh, an extra mile outside because you have a little bit extra time. But what's been a guilty pleasure for you? Bishop, we'll start with you. Okay, so I enjoy watching Call the Midwife with Maya. Uh, <laughs> it's, about, it's about the midwives in London, late 50s and 60s. And so it, it and how historical events shaped their lives. So that's kind of a guilty pleasure. Awesome, Nancy. <laughs> um, doing jigsaw puzzles on my iPad. <laughs> Nathan. Given what I was going through, I had to laugh every day. So I rewatched the whole office. <laughs> and it's uh, uh, good. Awesome, yeah. the office, perfect. Todd. Uh, I binge watched the West Wing again before it disappears from Netflix. Scott. Ted Lasso on Apple TV is amazing. Uh, and all the inappropriate uh, gifts that I share with Todd and Nathan on off hours. <laughs> and Mitch. Uh, for me, it's a just around the corner is a Brahms or a Hertz donut. It just depends on the day that I have to make a run. So. Okay, so where are you planning on going when the pandemic is over? Where will you go, Bishop? Hey, I want to do another round, a lightning round around the conference. Uh, Maya and I just bought a home in Texas, and so I've got enough of that. I, I want to get back out and be where the peeps are. Yeah. Absolutely. Nancy. We'll go to Colorado to see our granddaughter and her parents and our other son and his wife. Nathan. I am headed to see my best friend who owns the wine sales in California 
to see the Redwoods in L.A. with my kids and Brenda. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you can't get away with not bringing them with you if you're going there. That's awesome. All right, uh, Todd. Uh, well, it's so our son's senior year of playing baseball at Nebraska Wesleyan. So our plan is to try to get to as many games as possible. He's got to get seven more saves to be the all-time leader. So hoping that we can be there. Cool. Scott. Head up to Lincoln to give my parents a hug. Yeah. And Mitch. Um, not maybe a positive, it sounds like, but to we've got tickets to go to the Auschwitz um, exhibit in, at Union Station in Kansas City. And so we're hoping we'll be able to participate. Well, what scripture has guided you during these last months? Is there a scripture, Bishop? Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Nancy. Proverbs, or Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Nathan. John 5, 1 through 8, Jesus heals that man by Bethsaida and takes the disciples where no one else would go and perform a miracle. Todd. Mine is less a scripture and more a theme. I've told you I'm reading the, the chronological Bible and I'm in the Old Testament right now, and so I just don't want to be Jeroboam. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be Jeroboam. Scott. Micah 6.8. Mitch. Um, Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Amen. All right, bucket list. What's on your bucket list for 2021, Bishop? I want to write a, uh, an inspirational book or a children's book, a, ser a children's book series. Awesome. Nancy. Um, go back to Mammoth Caves in Kentucky, which we visited about 25 years ago, but uh, do a zip line at Mammoth Caves. Sounds awesome. Nathan. Oh, I have a book on adaptive teamwork and just enjoy every minute and go wherever we can. Awesome. Todd. I've been working on a daily devotion with some folks at the uh, University of or Vanderbilt University. So hopefully we need to get that more farther along the process. Scott. Um, I've got a book idea too about um, complexity and church leadership that I'm hoping maybe we'll get started on uh, and general conference Ooh. that's on the bucket list wow you get it over with to get it over with that's right that's right okay mitch um two things have um supper with our neighbor that we've been trying to do since we moved into the neighborhood and so now once the pandemic is over the other is to assist our daughter and son-in-law getting our home ready for our first grandchild Okay, lightning round is over. And now I'm gonna to turn to the bishop. All right, bishop, we're gonna ask you to put your coach's hat on because we know you are a coach at heart. This is the play. There's the play. We got, you got your whistle, you got your, your uh, whiteboard and your markers. Bishop though, your team is tired. We don't know if we are winning or if we are losing. We don't know if we're at halftime of the game or if this game will ever be over or if we're headed down the final stretch. Can you give us your best coach's speech? We need a pep talk. We need you to help us to work as a team and to finish strong. And then we get a word from you, our coach. <laughs> I'll try my best. Well, first of all, you know, it, it's moments like this when you're down, when you're down on the goal line, okay, and, and it's it's fourth and inches. You know, life is about inches. It's not about yards. It's about in, can you get that extra little piece? Do you have it in you to dig down deep to where nobody else has gone and pull it out of you and apply it because you know why? People are counting on you. Your teammate is counting on you. Your quarter, everyone's counting on you. Everybody's 
What are you going to do when the chips are down? Do you have what it takes to bring all that training, all that preparation, all that passion to bear for this one play? One play. One play at a time, one inch at a time, one down at a time, one step at a time. One. You're tired? Check it out. Just keep on going. Now, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Uh, I, when I played, when I played college football, I was a freshman and it was my first year of practice. And this guy goes out into the middle of the field and he says, it's a great day to be alive. And I was wondering like, who in the world is this guy? Right. And so, so we go through practice and the first week goes by and we're all beaten up. And this guy, Scott Auric, goes out to the middle of the field at the beginning of every practice. And we practice three times a day, the first week and twice a day, the second week. And it was hot and it was 100 degrees and it was humid. It was 100% humidity, 105 degrees, no wind blowing. We're in the middle of pine trees in East Texas. And he stand up there and he said, it's a great day to be alive. We go out for dinner and he get up on, on top of the dinner table and he says, it's a great day to be alive. And then in the mornings at 5.30, when the whistle would blow, he would go and take the horn, like, Rah! and he'd say, it's a great day to be alive, let's go. And after a while, they're like, could you just shut up? Can you just, just shut up? I don't want to hear it. I, you know, what's the matter with you? We're all beaten up. You know, we, 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 we're, we're putting ourselves together with duct tape and painkillers and try, just trying to make it through the next hour. And, and you're up here, you look fresh as ever. Anyway. Uh, we want to go play against Louisiana and Joe Don Delaney, who played for the Chiefs out of college, and he was the NFL Rookie of the Year. He drowned at trying to save somebody from a lake in Louisiana in the summer. He only played one year in the NFL. He broke through the line. Scott came up. They met head on. That was before the protocol, the concussion protocols. They both fell over. Scott lay there on the floor. The trainer went out. He got Scott up to the feet. He, he brought Scott to the sideline. We went into the locker room. Scott was sitting there like this. He couldn't move. Well, the trainer puts him back in the second, the second half of the game. He plays all game long. Doesn't make a tackle, thank God. After the game, he's sitting in the locker room, and we're, we're all getting ready to go, and he's still got his shoulder pads on. He says, I can't lift my arms. His neck muscles had severed. A lot of them had severed from the base of his skull down to the bottom of his scapula. To the, to the bottom of his trap. And, uh, and he needed con total constructive surgery to reconnect his neck muscles to his, to his skull. And the doctor said, if he would have made one more hit, he would have killed himself. And so of course, you know, it was like, he was a loss, he was a team leader. And that was his mantra, it's a great day to be alive. Um, so, so a couple weeks later, we're out there, we have a big, we, we're playing against a team that had a 21 game winning season, uh, winning record. It was on the line. They were playing them at home. And we go in there and to, to the locker room before the game. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a video player. Remember those VHSs? There's the VHS of, of Scott. And he's in, he's in the hospital. He's got a halo on, uh, braced up. And he gives us one of the most motivational speeches I've ever heard. And at the very end, I'm looking at him. His whole career is gone. He's, he's, he's lucky he's not paralyzed. And he says, and you know what? It's a great day to be alive. And I think, you know, I, I think about that because I've had two, two near-death experiences. I'm talking about near-death experiences. I'm really like, like this far away from death. And, and every day I get up, and no matter how difficult it is, I have to remind myself that, that today is a gift from God. And I never know what's going to happen on that day. Uh, and no matter how hard it gets, life is a gift, and it's a gift that we cannot squander away. Um, when I think about the Christmas story, and I think about Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and, and uh, Zechariah and, and all these people, they were going about their daily life, probably not expecting much out of the day, and all of a sudden they have this encounter, and it totally changes their life. And I think so much of our life is lived in the mundanity of, of the moment. We go through our emotions. But we're always on the lookout for how God's going to break in. And I know it's hard. I know it's tough. Uh, I, as Scott said, you know, it calls, it calls us to, to our true identity as disciples of Jesus Christ. It calls us to, to resource ourselves with friends, with health, uh, with health experts as, 
as Mitt said, my, my daughter said, said, dad, she's a school psychologist. She says, dad, people, people come in and they have this much tolerance for stuff in their life, right? And so they can cope with a lot. So right now people are coming back to work and we're seeing people have breakdowns. Uh, they, 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 they have panic attacks because, because they're, they're here and they've only got this much left before they spill over and just become overwhelmed because they already are at that level of overwhelmingness. So, so the, the gap has been the COVID and the isolation and, and all the concerns have really shortened people's capacity for, for, uh, for resiliency. Um, but, you know, in, in it all, you know, we, we, we have life, we, we can breathe, we can get around, we can see, we can think. Uh, we have resources, and especially we have the resources of God, the grace, the means of God's grace. And, and when I, and I think about, like, I'm only here by the grace of God, and I, I, could, I could not be here. Uh, and I think of every day as a gift, and I approach every day as a gift. Um, and, and no matter where you are, uh, or, or what you're experiencing, I always think somebody else has it worse than I do. Always somewhere around the world. I, I was talking to, to one of the bishops in, in Africa, and she says that in a part of her, and I, I'm sorry, I forget, I forget the, uh, the, the, the Mozambique, I think, Mozambique. Uh, she, she's a bishop of Mozambique. So, but, but in there, they've discovered golden oil, and, and the tribes have moved in, and they've attacked all the villagers to put them out and gain control of the area so that when the petrol companies come in and the gold companies come in, they get, they get a piece of the profits. And so you got people being dispossessed from their, from their properties and they're moving and some of them are staying 50 to a household because they've got nowhere else to go. And they're in South Africa. So by the time they journey up to Egypt or, or, to, or to Europe, it's a long trek to the desert. And, you know, and, and I got to think about, you know, how do we, how do we count our blessings and how do we affirm that, that today is a gift? It's a gift of Jesus Christ. We, we've been made alive in Christ. Uh, people are hanging on the thin thread. And how do we offer that hope to others? So I, I appreciate you. I appreciate all that you're doing, all the hard work, all the creativity. I, I know some of you have been wounded and scarred because you've been in the trenches. Things have, things have been said to you, hurtful things. Um, you've had good people, you know, question your, your, your decisions. Um, and, and maybe you've been kind of, um, used for social media fodder and, or, or different anonymous notes and things like that. And, and these things are hurtful. And sometimes we tend to focus on, on the hard things, but, uh, but we know that the Christ goes with us and that, and for, it is for this time that we have been called. So I want to encourage you. I want to remind you, it's a great day to be alive. Thank you for all you do. Uh, I wish you a blessed uh, season of Advent of hope, love, peace, and joy. That it may abound to you uh, in the fullness and the abundance that only God can give. So thank you, Shelly. And thank you, Ashley, uh, for, for doing this for a conference. And, uh, and I just want to say one more thing. It is a joy to work with the conference staff. I mean, uh, to work with Nancy, with Nathan, with Mitch, with uh, uh, Scott and with Todd. Uh, I, I, there's, no, there's no other group of people that I'd rather walk into this pandemic with and into this next phase of the church's emergence than, than with this team. So I really appreciate uh, all that you do and all that you are uh, as, as colleagues. And Nathan said, as, as team members, because together we can do more than we could alone. So thank you again. Thank you so much for that pep talk. You're inviting us into um, into that sacred work that each of us has in um, and just being attentive to where God is at work in our midst, um, in the midst of the mundane. So what a great message for us in this season. Well, uh, I have to confess that the expression hindsight is 2020 was on our minds as we planned this conversation. Typically, it means that we can see the picture clearly now. Well, I'm not sure if that's true for us as the year 2020 comes to an end. But listening to each of you bear witness to where God has sustained you and where your hope is, is grounded, um, it gives me a sense of hope, a hopefulness, and, and perhaps a little bit of focus is coming into clarity for me.
Thank you for bringing just a few more glimpses uh, as we put, put this piece of the puzzle back together. This indeed is a liminal time. And looking back at what has been is helpful to us as we head into the future uh, that is to come and that we are all helping to create. Each of you who are listening today, we invite you to ask yourself some of the same questions that we asked our leaders. What have you learned from this season? What has surprised you? Where is your hope? Where have you seen God at work right around you? As we each seek answers to these questions in this season of Advent, we pray that we each may find a little more light together at the threshold. conversation today about navigating ministry in liminal time. You can find links to join future conversations at greatplainsumc.org slash at dash the dash threshold or subscribe to our podcast at the threshold on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. As for today, we hope that you've been able to see our new reality a bit clearer, asked a few new questions, and been encouraged. And in the days ahead, we hope that you're finding some light at the threshold.